Welcome to Postel's Podcast, where you can learn from our experienced guests and gain new insight on how real estate, your personal security, and living the outdoor lifestyle can strengthen your inner core and bring out the power you need for life. And now here's your host, Mike Postel. I always enjoy speaking with individuals of similar mindsets. Originally from across the pond via England, he resides in Minnesota with a strong background in law enforcement and private security, as well as a author, guest speaker, and host of the podcast, Who I Became. Welcome, Simon Ozamo. How are you, sir? Mike, an honor and a privilege to be with you. I'm really excited for this conversation. I've looked at some of the things that you do. Um, I know we're very similar mindset, and so it's going to be a great conversation today. Awesome. Likewise, I really appreciate you coming on. You're a busy guy. You, you've got a lot of endeavors going on, which is uh, kudos to you. That's you got a lot going on, so that's cool. So we'll, we'll jump right into it. So, Simon, uh, I mean, since we're a short podcast for all our listeners out there, um, I'm going to try and kind of do the Cliff Notes version of your life and your background. We could literally spend hours, but uh, we'll and maybe we'll have you on, obviously, for another po- another episode. So uh, I mentioned you come from England. Uh, so you're born, I think you're born and raised over there. Is that correct? Correct. Yes. So a town west of London called Reading. It's around 40 miles west of London. Uh, lived there all my life until age 33 when I met my, or when I married my American wife. And then we, we moved over here to start a new life in America. So yeah, it was a, oh. a, a big, big cultural change, but it's been a very, very interesting and enlightening move for me to come to America for sure. Right. Well, hey, that's huge for you to uh, come over to the U.S. Is your wife from where you live now in that area? or She is. And that was one of the deals when we moved over here that we sort of had to stay close to her sort of family and stuff. It didn't make sense to move from my family in the U.K. to America if we weren't close to my wife's family. So, yeah, we we're in the area where she grew up. Okay. That's good for family structure and support. I, I as a father of three boys, I, I and I believe you're a fa- you're a father as well? A father of two boys as well. Yes, we've got a lot oh, to cool. talk about here, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Well, I and I'm, I I kind of hesitate when I speak with you because you're the security guy and and I appreciate that 100% as far as privacy and whatnot, but on the same token we're doing podcasts and we're trying to get exposure, so it's that catch 22 evil necessary thing you got to do with social media and and whatnot. But very uh, true, yeah, yeah. If, if I hold back, please elaborate if you're if you're onto it. So, regarding the mindset, just reviewing my notes here, I, I like how you focus on life balance and and mindset. That that's so crucial in life. Uh, and I'm an older guy now, uh, but through all my life experiences, I found. The sooner that you can know who you truly are and what you're all about and what you're into and then not let outside influences affect you and then you put your head to the grindstone, go steadfast, straight forward, generally you'll do what you want to do and good things will follow. Um, but, you know, obviously sometimes things get in the way, whether it's family or, or uh, peers, friends, detractors, whatnot. So a lot of outside influences. So. Um, before you came over to the U.S., so you were in law enforcement, I see, and it looks like you, you finished up as a detective uh, after 14 years of law enforcement. Is that correct? That's right. Yes. Yeah. Detective. Okay, cool. So for us Americans over here, I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. Do you start out as, I, obviously you go through an academy and you start out, uh, as a, a regular, as we say here, street cop, or maybe you call them bobbies. 
But is that how you started and then you worked your way up the ladder to detective? Yeah. And so uh, exactly what you said. So I joined the police at 19, which is very different than here in the U.S. You Mm. don't get too many people that young. Right. Um, I, I'm going to be a bit biased here, Mike, but I'm allowed to. I'm from England. I think it's one mm. of the reasons why the British police is still held in such high regard that every police officer has to go to an, a police academy. So in the US, depending which state you're in, you know, you can educate yourself. That isn't the British system that every police officer, even the chief of police, has to go through the same, the same training. So I joined at 19. By 2021, I was doing sort of test purchase operations, you know, some sort of undercover work. Uh, the reason being, you know, you give a young um, black lad some some drugs. No one's ever going to believe that I'm a police officer. So I'm going into <laughs> these very different environments. You know, I found out that I enjoyed doing it. I have an, I had an aptitude for, for doing it. Um, and then moved into sort of robberies, you know, burglary teams. And actually, I was 23 when I became a detective. So again, very, wow. very unique. And, uh, and part of that story is, you know, the, one of the reasons why I focus on life balance and mindset is my personal journey is that I grew up without a father. I always mm. sought validation in that area. Um, and actually a more mature man, a guy called Melvin Young was a senior police officer. I'd applied for a firearm position at the time, Mike, and uh, our chief of police wasn't there that day. He had to sign off on all applications. Uh, and Melvin Young was the detective chief superintendent, very senior ranking. Uh, he got my application. He said, you know, I've, I've heard about you. Can you come and see me? Um, and I said, well, I, I can say I'm a little bit busy right now, but I went to see him that day, Mike, and he said, I've got your application for the firearms team, um, but I think your skills would be better suited as a detective. Um, and I did the old 23 year old, you know, with respect, sir, you know, thank you very much. You don't know what you're talking about. You know, anyone in the military knows that with respect. When you say with respect, it means you're not really, you know, you're not really doing that. Um, and then my leader, senior leader, a couple of weeks later said, you know, um, I've heard that you haven't applied to become a detective. And I said, well, I don't really intend to. Um, and, uh, what I learned that day was, you know, he wasn't really asking me. He he was telling me. Telling you. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and most of it really, it was a big turning point in my mindset and career is that uh, Melvin Young saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. And he was absolutely right. You know, I went on to be decorated eight times by the chief of police in 14 years. You know, in a police department has 6,000 sworn officers. It was almost unheard of to have that level of recognition. So it was um, a real mindset shift for me. Um, and it really changed my course of career by someone seeing something in me that I didn't see in my in myself. Wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a lot of, <laughs> lot of fun, fun time for sure. sure. So, you know, so that's, that's sort of a bit about my career. And I've done various different organized crime, you know, as well, I was working organized crime when I moved here, uh, you know, murders, robberies, you know, there's so many different things that I've investigated. And, and above all else, Mike, I think what I really learned is that um, I learned two things in the police. One, I'm fascinated, like the rest of the world, that when the front door closes, I like to see what goes on behind the scenes. Um, and, mm-hmm. and second, I've just learned that no matter where you are, and I've privileged enough to have visited around 30 countries so far in my life but everyone is just trying to live the best life that they can um, but there is harm and there is danger in, in every community um, and for whatever reason I've been made as one of those people that I run towards the danger rather than run away from the danger that's just uh, in my DNA that's just who I am I, I can't um, 
I can't not intervene when I see uh, an injustice. Mm-hmm. Well, as we say, you're a good human and you have a you have a strong sense of pur- pur- purpose. Or as we say in martial arts, you have that warrior gene or, you know, with the military. So I have a lot of friends that were former military as well. So uh, outstanding. Good for you, man. That 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 says a lot. So and by the way, there are a lot of the departments, at least in California, you do have to go through an academy. Good. Yes. And and then you have to go through 15, 19, whatever months with your uh our, you know, FTO field training officer. And then once you clear that, usually then you're on your own. So, yeah. Anyway. And I should say, Mike, depending where your um, listeners may be in the world, I'm here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So, you know, we don't want to date the podcast, but I think people know that policing in Minnesota is very controversial across the world, have their eyes on Minnesota. So we're, we're very different and unique, but you can get a degree here and then work for a police department, but we don't, we don't have to go down that path today because we, 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 yeah. we haven't got <laughs> enough to explore. <laughs> that, 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 that's another series, understanding right. the Minnesota cruel justice system we're placing. Right. So, so 14 years, that's a good run. Uh, you found your wife. Did she come over and visit England and was a tourist type of thing? Or was she doing a, a study abroad or internship and you guys hooked found? Yeah, up, Wait, hooked found up, each exactly. other. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Hooked up. No, exactly. But the second one is what you said. So I've got um, two friends that at the time were living in Australia, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne. Um, and I went to visit them. Uh, and my wife, uh, American, was studying at a Australian university um, just uh. north of Sydney. It sounds really strange, Mike, but it's true. We, we met in an Irish pub. And then the rest is history, as they as they say. That that's how we got together. So my wife lived in England for five years, and like any sort of mother listening to your show, you know, as kids arrived, got, I mentioned my two sons. That's when there was a draw to come back, to sort of to be closer to her family. So I knew mm-hmm. at some point my career in law enforcement from that marriage um, in 2007 w- was going to be short. So I was already thinking, what does someone do? post law enforcement you know when you're in that sort of the middle of your career what does that transition look like a lot of cops will say i don't know where my transferable skills are you know i found that there's lots of transferable transferable skills well that's a that's a huge step for you leaving your country leaving your family leaving your job and i don't know how the pensions or retirement programs work for you over in england with law enforcement but you know, you're you're cutting yourself off after a 14 year sounds like a left yeah. year's career. I, I, you know, you, you, usually at least with my friends out here in law enforcement, they have to be in for 20 plus years, and then they obviously receive more benefits and whatnot. And obviously, anyone in law enforcement, you can correct me on this, but uh, that's my basic understanding as a layman. So that's uh, those are big moves on your part. So wow, yeah, nice and, and, move. and well, here's the interesting thing. I mean, I um, you know 43 now. Because I joined at 19 in England, you do 30 years service. Okay. Uh, I would be retiring in six years had I stayed in, in the UK. So um, does that cross my mind? Yes. But what I've also learned, though, Mike, is that sometimes in life, um, for there to be gain, there has to be loss. Um, so for there to be gain, there has to be loss. What, what I lost was a career, which was a family 
But what I gained in moving to America was a new identity, a, a new beginning, a new opportunity to sort of perhaps right some wrongs that were occurring in my, my life. Because the reason why my motto is life balance mindset as a serving police officer, I didn't always get the balance right. So it's allowed me to reflect on that and sort of start again. So, yes, it does cross my wow. mind every year past 49. Um, I'm going to be working. It's going to be hard, but, I, but I've gained an awful lot. So with, with, um, with loss, there is always gain. Well said. Well said. And obviously by an experienced person. And nice, uh, nice indirect <laughs> Depeche Mode song, Get the Bounce Right. That was, uh, I like that. Oh, yeah. so. You're probably like, really, Mike? Okay. No, I, I know Depeche Mode. I can't name any of their songs, but I do know Depeche Mode. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I, I'm not a huge fan, but I like some of their stuff. That's funny. But And they're obviously English as well. So you come to the U.S. and you're in your new kind of life as a married guy. When, so I see you started your company, Kingswood Security Consulting, in about, what, 2013, correct? Correct, yeah. And so that's about when you came over to Minnesota area, roughly around there? Or? Yeah, actually t two years, two years later. And that was fascinating because I moved to America um, on October 17th, 2011. By the 3rd of December, 2011, I was head of counterterrorism at Mall of America, Minnesota within seven or eight that's weeks right. um, of people saying, Simon, you're doing the right, doing the right thing here. You know, I walked into one of arguably one of the biggest um, roles in the country for infrastructure in an open public venue. It's actually bigger than Disney because it's free to get in. They get around 42 million people a year, year to go in. So um, it was actually very more American. I'm a, a Christian Christ follower, security person. I'd actually just been to a conference at Disney to talk to people from you know, the NBA um, football league. I still don't know a lot of the American um, sports, Mike, but all the mm -hmm. major heads of sport. It was like a, 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 a conference geared towards executives to learn about security. And I did a presentation down there. Um, and actually a police officer back in Minnesota said, well, you're a Christian and you're a security guy, can you go and advise a church on safety and security? Um, and part of my DNA is champion for the underdog. I went to that church and realized, wow, there is um, a lot of risk, which has been unmanaged here. It's unmitigated um, and they need training. Um, and I felt a real calling then to go and help nonprofits around safety and security. And that's really the journey that I've been on ever since. I've written a couple of books on church safety. I'm sort of a, a nationally known speaker on it and I sort of really found my niche. Uh, it's wider than just churches now. I help a lot of nonprofits and small businesses. But I really like to, again, focus on helping those people that are, uh, you know, wouldn't ordinarily security is in forefront in their mindset. They might have a, a mission, which is about serving, which opens up a lot of risk uh, and teaching them how to best manage that risk. Because, you know, Mike, not all risk can be mitigated. It can only be managed. And when Correct. you're when you're in an environment which is, you know, most people, I lock my doors at night. I lock my car. I go to a public venue. I want those bad people to stay away from me. You know, I want to stay safe. Whereas in a house mm -hmm. of worship, it's unique that they're saying those bad people come inside because we believe that there's a place for you here. So redemption, you know, ra mm -hmm. redemption, rapists, murderers, you know, mm -hmm. um, domestic violence, you know, fraudsters, just brokenness, mental illness. Whatever it is, they're being welcomed inside that building in an environment that isn't always, not, not don't want to say everyone, but isn't always equipped to manage that risk. Excellent point. 
I didn't delve too deep about that. That's uh, over my tenure going to whether church and my beliefs and whatnot. That's an excellent point. Obviously, redemption and all that. Yes. Spiritual spiritualness. But you just you just nailed it. You're allowed to open your doors to whomever walks a life where it doesn't matter what you did, where you came from. If you're here to for forgiveness, we'll accept you. And that's a, that's a very strong point you just made regarding security concerns. And obviously we've seen a few things, you know, one of the most recent things in, in Texas with the shooting and a few other things, uh, terrorist related. Uh, so, and then geez, I, yeah. And I beg your pardon. I forgot to mention mall of America, the largest mall in the country, you United States that you were, you were head of security and, and counterterrorism of that. That's, that's awesome. That, that's yeah, and huge. I think you know, you're part of it as well. I think you can. I mean, you you said it earlier, Mike. About um, you know, I think you can be. You know, are you born or you made these type of stuff? I just feel like I've always been in a position where the depth of responsibility um, has has not really concerned me. I mean, you know, to put it into perspective, uh, part of my police journey that I didn't include, I don't often always talk about this story. I'm sharing it a bit more now. You know, I was 21 when, well, actually, I'll tell you, I'll go back a bit on the story. I went to uh, a woman who was suffering from domestic violence, my husband, and it was my short time in uniform. Uh, me and my partner would always leave saying, you know, this isn't going to end well. This isn't going to end well. And he was an Iranian man. In Iran, he was everything. Uh, they moved to UK. She became everything. He became a nobody. You know, he really struggled mm. with, with the culture. You know, we don't need to go too much into it, but, you know, it was a very different, you know, a woman in Iran is more subservient than what they are in, in England. It's more equal rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it made him get a lot of mental health issues. Uh, we would go around for domestic violence. She wouldn't make a complaint, these type of things. And then I got the call one day. I went around there on my own. Um, and basically he had attacked her uh, and she died in my arms. And I believe I, that was in 2001. So I believe I was 21, 22, whenever that happened. Um, wow. And that, that really changed my perspective as you're stroking a woman's hair and, and, and really trying to caress her and, and show her some compassion, clearly from her injuries. I mean, you know, I'm not a medical professor, but my, my common sense was saying that she's going to struggle to survive this. And obviously, she, she did pass. All I could really do was stroke her hair, look into her eyes, tell her that it's going to be okay, you know, as she really died. And obviously, they then tried to revive her, but it, but it was way, way too late. Um, mm-hmm. th- those things weigh heavy on my mind. But even at a young man, what it allowed me to do, Mike, was to realize that there is a certain depth of responsibility that comes with life and there's a depth of responsibility that comes as being a protector. So I think whatever role that I've done since, I can always relate it back, which is why when people say police officers don't really have any transferable skills, I can always relate those instances back. You know, I've worked in corporate America here and someone said, oh, it's a stressful time, I'm having a bad day. No, no, that's not a bad day. You know, being 21 years old and a woman dies in your arms, that, that, that's a bad day. So, so all, those thing, yeah. you know, all, all those things have helped me understand the debt responsibility. So um, people often say, well, what was it like walking into, you know, one of the largest uh, roles in public safety in, in America? It, it was easy because I understood the debt responsibility that the people's safety were resting on my and my team's shoulders. Decisions that we were making ultimately affected people's people's safety um so yeah so it's no, no short answer with me mike but that's some good insight as to why that period of my life is very easy to transition into 
Hey, go away and elaborate as much as possible. That was excellent. You just, you explain with experience comes confidence. Uh, Yes, you have a, you have the proper mindset to the areas that you're in. And uh, you mentioned about how a lot of law enforcement guys that try to branch out into, say, the business world, public sector, or excuse me, private sector, some public, but private sector may not do well. You, on the other hand, are that individual that is, says, no, I, I'm actually a different person, so I can do that. I, and I, I've, I've had the same kind of thing, uh, experiences as well. Me, for example, real quick, getting in private security, doing executive mm. protection, I was the 1% that was not former military or current or former law enforcement. But I got in through my long standing in martial arts and knew a lot of people and connections and network. And then, but then doing executive protection, private security is more of a business. And so I worked with a lot of families and a lot of wealthy individuals and business people. And that's my strength. So then I knew how to speak to them properly and how to handle them. And when they're stressed, anyways, I'm going on a tangent. But, no, no, because that yeah, is, so, you're not going on a tangent because that, that is very true. Um, and, and it's worth saying is that a lot of this stuff really comes down to, uh, you know, we're seeing it where the world is right now is that how do you communicate with, with someone? You know, can you show that compassion and that empathy, empathy, mm-hmm. sorry, uh, and understand their, their point of view in a jo- non-judgmental way? Um, you know, when you, when you're privileged enough to see what goes on behind people's front doors, there's a lot of human brokenness out there and you don't truly know what someone is suffering with uh, until you have walked in their shoes or asked them the question. Um, so yep. yeah, that, yes. having that empathy is a, is a, is a key piece. Uh, absolutely. It's like the old Indian Amer- American Indian proverb, you know, got to walk a mile in my mo- moccasins before you can yeah. make a statement. I believe it's a mile, <laughs> maybe longer, but um, hopefully I didn't butcher that one too bad, but uh, absolutely. So um, getting out of your, your uh, situation with your private business and, the, and, and dealing with security with the churches, you, you've gone into then, I, I think you're trying to take your aspect in life and your experience and how you love to give back, which I'm getting. And I, I, I'm the same kind of way. I, I love to give back, whether that's teaching individuals, families, whoever regarding personal safety, uh, you know, doing this podcast and having experts like yourself on that can, discuss what they've done. So hopefully you may inspire some younger individuals or people of all walks of life to say, Hey, look what Simon did. That's amazing. That guy, I, I want to start following him, listening to him. And he's an inspiration to me. So um, yeah, bingo. So you're, you've written some books and so you're an author of several books. You mentioned with church safety and personal sec- safety, security, and you have a podcast, which is really cool. Yes, so yeah. Um, if you might, if you want to elaborate about your, I mean, I did some research, but if you want to tell our listeners, you know, what your podcast is based on. Yeah. So the, who I became at podcast, uh, really, you can chart it back to a lot of my early upbringing and my time in the police, but I've always been fascinated on how they became who they became because most often in life and my, myself, I've been guilty of this is that we compare ourselves to other people's chapter 10 rather than, you know, where, where we are. We could be mm-hmm. at chapter one, but, but we judge against the, the end result. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was a key time, uh, a key story that I used to emphasize this point is that around 10, 11 years ago, one of my um, best friends, still um, one of my good friends, lives in, in Asia now. 
Uh, he sold his company for around twenty-two million pounds. So, for your uh, American audience, that's around twenty-five, twenty-seven million dollars. Um, wow. and, and he came round my house driving a Ferrari, which was worth <laughs> more than my house might. The car was mm -hmm. worth more than my house, Crazy. and it was, re it was really symbolic because my mum was there uh, at that time. And when I was talking to him, I said, "You know what?" I said. Did I underachieve in this life or did you overachieve as to where we are? And um, he doesn't say anything really profound that often. Some might say, I know him well enough, so I would say that he always says this stuff. But he says that which is really profound. He said, Simon, he said, you're already really successful. You just need to look around as to what you've achieved. The problem that you have is that you're spending your time comparing yourself to others and not mm. looking at your own accomplishments. And that mm. was a real... No, I'm in my early 30s now where this, during this conversation. It was a very profound moment and very true that the only greatest person that I can be is the greatest version of myself. Um, and comparison, as people say, is a thief to joy. So when I started to look around, I was thinking, well, you know, my parents separated before I was born. I've never met the man that brought me into this world. I'm a color of skin, you know, for your audio listeners. You know, I'm a, I'm a, um, a mixed race black um, person. You know, I've never met the person that gave me this color of skin. My mannerisms, mm. I don't know why I do things because of someone that I've never met or can meet because I know he's since passed. It's like, is there someone that might get learning or experience from that? You know, my time in the police. Is there someone mm -hmm. who could get some learning experience? So it was a real catalyst for me to focus on how people became um, who they became. And most often, I'm not going to say 100%, but 99% of the time, there's a transformation, there's a life pivot, there's a key self-discovery where things have started to click into place and they have rewritten their own story, uh, become successful. And it's those stories Mike, that I love to, to capture, hoping that other people can get their learning from them because what we all say in our life is you know i've never felt sorry for myself i'm not a victim of circumstance but have i said well why me you know i'm I, this is tough i i was born without a dad my, my friends had this they had finances i lived in social housing you know me 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 mm -hmm. victim 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 but someone has always walked in our shoes. You know, going back, you know, a, a thousand years, it might have been possible to say, well, no one's ever been in your position. But where we sit today, someone has walked through, walked um, in your shoes and has come out the other side. Um, mm -hmm. And so the Who I Became podcast is giving that hope and, and learning in other people's lives that you are not alone. You're not the only one who's going through this. Um, and, you know, um, follow the guidance of this other person and then you can move through your for your adversity so there's a lot in there mike for you to process but that's that's really how the podcast came about is giving people um that hope that that inspiration uh, and that encouragement that you know you, you can overcome and stop judging yourself against that person's chapter 10 because that isn't your journey just to finish that story people often say to me well simon you and your friend are so different um how can you remain friends well, I don't compare to what my friend has. I meet mm. that comparison with admiration. I, I want, I see what you have. How can I even get close to that? You know, I admire it. And what does admiration do? It inspires me to action. It doesn't inspire me to become jealous. Uh, excellent. Um, awesome. <laughs> Too bad you're in Minnesota. I'd love to 
go to lunch okay. with you after this podcast because uh, we'll you and I have uh, very similar outlooks and mindset in life. Uh, I guess coming with a 30-year career in martial arts and training with people of all walks of life, creeds, colors, religions, countries, etc., I've, uh, I, I have, I haven't traveled obviously all over. You have. I lived in Mexico for just a couple months, um, but I've traveled all, you know, quite a bit, and and. Uh, I've really paid attention to people's cultures and the way people act and whatnot. And my little tenure in life, and, and I've had some serious adversity. I was DOA in a car crash when I was 18, a violent car crash. It saw the light, the whole thing. I'm not going to get into that, but um, it exists. And I came back. And I believe I came back for a reason to raise three boys to become good human beings and become good men in this world. And I mm. firmly believe that. And hopefully the, the man upstairs will have me around a lot longer. So for those that don't believe in a, in, in a religious aspect, um, I think you guys can take a lot for what Simon has stated, it, it, at least from the, having the proper mindset and you can say whatever you want. There is a, a lot of spiritual sense that comes into that mindset and experience. And uh, I find that fascinating and I, I find it awesome because uh, you're right. For pe A lot of people tend to critique others for stuff they don't have or out of jealousy or spite when you should look inward to yourself and say, like you said, okay, well, congratulations to that person. That's awesome. What can I do to improve myself better to make myself feel better? And you may not become that millionaire driving a Ferrari. Most people won't. But maybe you'll become a better human being and treat, treat people better. And maybe, yes, in turn, you, you will have a better career. And bottom line is you have a better career and you become more positive and more healthy and you, you become more energetic, enthusiastic towards others. I don't know. I'm, I'm again, I'm rambling, but no, um, very I, true. Com so true. I, com I completely agree with you say, and, and I've always said this to people when they give me, when I run into people and they, and, and uh, I can tell certain people they'll look at me, you know, I'm a light haired, blue eyed white guy. And, and I worked South central Los Angeles for years, King Drew medical center in the County hospitals. And <laughs> I was an oddity. I was an anomaly. And people, once people knew what I was about, though, and that I was helping the people. And I would always say this, look, we're all human beings. We all suffer. We all bleed. We all, unless you're an alien, I don't know it. But, and, you know, we all go through life's hardships. Life's short. So let's get along. Let's not listen to the politicians, not listen to people that are trying to divide us. We all need to come together and unite. I don't care who you are. And I've always had that outlook in life. And and uh, you're definitely that mold, Simon. I really appreciate that. It, it Unfortunately, there's not a lot of you Simons out there. And I, I, I humbly appreciate you coming on today and, you know, discussing a little bit who you are and, and whatnot. So with this awesome outlook you have on life and your inner spirit that I'm going to call it, um, I believe you also might do some um, like coaching or the mindset talk or just, I guess what you're saying is you'll, you're able to meet with people as well and, and help them. Yeah and, a, yeah. and a lot of these things, you know, so I do sort of mindset coaching predominantly with men just because I am a man and I can sort of relate to, um, to things that they, they go through. It doesn't discount uh, women, but I think, you know, life is a mindset and understanding uh, key attributes as to, how to overcome, um, how to 
mm. overcome those limiting beliefs. And people say, well, well, what is your qualification? Well, I've overcome some of those limiting beliefs. And I want to share with people how, how to do that. And, um, you know, the, the coaching is something I enjoy doing. It allows me again to help people and to see people move through some of those limiting beliefs to become that greater, greater person. And, you know, quite often, what I've asked myself when you were just talking there, Mike, is, um, you know, is, is why, why do I do the things that I do? And sometimes it's, well, if, if not me, then who? You know, if I'm not going to make that change, if I'm not going to step up, who's going to do it? Even uh, when I refer to my time in law enforcement as a black man, you know, you could be challenged by people. Well, 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 why are you in the police force? Well, if not me, then who? Who is going to make that? Who is going to make that change? And whether it's mindset, business, wh- whatever it is, it's if not me, then who? Um, I'm not the best writer out there, but I've written two very successful books. I have the consistency and mindset to follow through, to continue and move forward. You know, you don't have to be the greatest writer out there, but you've got to be consistent. You've got to, you've got to finish the goal. You know, you, mm-hmm. you've got to go the full distance. And that's really what I help people do on my, on my coaching programs is, you know, let's determine what that goal is and let's finish the goal. And then, you know, you, we can worry about the judgment later as to how you got there and whether you feel as fulfilled as you thought, but we've got to finish the goal. And for whatever reason, a lot of us as humans, we don't finish the goal. We don't get to mm-hmm. the end. We spend mm-hmm. too much time judging ourselves against what someone else has done. So that's what I really help people do in the coaching is let's finish, let's finish the goal. Awesome. I love it. And you have a very positive way of saying you don't, in a sense, you don't care what people think about. You're going to stay the course because you know that's the right course and it's the correct decision for you. And that's a big thing with most people is they, they can't do that, and which in turn you don't achieve the goal. So you, you mentioned, uh, if not me, then who? I use that all the time. And another one I use is die well. Mm-hmm. And I was fortunate to learn those phrases from some outstanding individuals in the military community, which now are part of our, our martial art training group, uh, Sayat Kali. And uh, so I, I, I absolutely love that you mentioned that. So if not who, then if not me, then who? So yeah, outstanding. So in, in due to time here, um, is there anything, I know this is, this is, I, gosh, I could have you on for hours. We are definitely yeah. going to do another yeah, episode, Simon. This, this is, this has been fascinating to have you on and I absolutely love how positive and, and, you, the mindset of you is just amazing. I love it. So um, got me a little tongue tied. So um, for people that want to get in touch with you, obviously you're on the internet. I can say certain things, but one, if you can, why don't you go ahead and let some our listeners know how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, I appreciate that, Mike. So my last name is unusual. I've got a, a British mother, Nigerian father. So my last name is Osamo, O-S-A-M-O-H. So uh, there's simple ways. You could just send me a, an email to simon at kingswoodsc.com, simon at kingswoodsc.com, or you can uh, look for my website, Kingswood Security, and information should should come up. All my social media handles are just very simple. My name, Simon Osamo, but you've got to be able to spell Osamo to find me sometimes because mm. of the OS, there's some very famous um, terrorists that come up uh, from the, the release, but they <laughs> yeah, are, I wouldn't know who that is. <laughs> yeah, but, but they're, they're no uh, relation, uh, no relation to, to to me. So they're just the simplest way. Just go to Simon at Kingswood to see if you want to send me uh, an email uh, or um, visit the the website. Uh, 
Awesome. Brilliant. Uh, anything that maybe you want to leave with our listeners that due to time I overlooked or didn't ask that you think's important, or maybe we'll say that for another time. Uh, well, there's something that I would say we'll save it for another time, but I want to leave a, a teaser. Um, and there's a guy in England called Michael Long that I put in prison for five years. And then when I came here to America and had a lot of these enlightenments and new uh, beginnings, I heard a story that he had um, uh, come out of prison. Um, he had rehabilitated himself and he was a changed man. I actually reached out to him. Um, and that was an interesting conversation. Maybe we'll go into that in the next episode. But, but mm. me and Michael Long have become friends. So I was a detective but put him in prison for five years. Uh, I mean, this guy have since become friends, but you know what I really learned is that he was searching for connection. He was searching for someone to play a part in his life. He was searching for someone to believe in him. When I met him in England a few years ago, I introduced him to my family and my, uh, my wife. And as they walked away, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, Simon, I can't believe that you did that. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I can't believe you did that. I said, well, I don't understand what I've done. He said, I can't believe that you'd let me meet your family. Now, others would see someone who was a bad person. He spent 20 years in and out of incarceration. What that told me in that moment was that no one had ever placed trust in him. And he didn't feel that everyone or anyone had really placed trust in him. And for a man in his 40s, for me, that was just sad. Um, and mm. so the, the final point I'd make is that it's very easy to judge in people's lives, but we don't mm -hmm. know how they got to, to where they are. So I'm not saying you need to forgive them, but maybe have some empathy because the biggest connection really comes, um, you know, when you open yourself up, when you're vulnerable and you start looking at that stuff. When I since spoke to Michael, the reason why we had a connection is that all those years he was too searching for a father figure and he didn't have one in his life. So there was a lot of differences in our lives and different paths we went, but we were also very, very similar. So I just always like to encourage people to, to be open when you're hearing of adversity in the world as to, you know, being mindful that you don't know what that person has gone through to get where they get where they are. Absolutely. I just wrote down his name, Michael Long, because we are definitely going to speak about that on, an, yeah, on yeah, another episode. To, and, let's let's uh, do it. Brilliant. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> That's everything about life. And unfortunately, the way things are trying to get divided right now, at least the current situation and the kind of world views of things right now. Uh, yeah, we need more of that. So excellent. Thank you so much. Well, I'll tell you what. We're definitely going to schedule another episode, Simon. Very good. Uh, seriously enjoyed speaking with you and uh, having you spend your your time on, since I know you're super busy and a lot of people want to uh, speak with you. So again, have a great day. Have a great week. Stay safe and and keep, keep uh, changing people's lives for the better. Well, and Mike, for you, thank you for everything that you are doing. Thank you for this podcast. And I uh, really hope that you get the success that you deserve because you are definitely changing people's mindsets, their lives, and you're doing this to help others. So I appreciate it. You take care. You too. Thank you, sir. All the best. Thank you for listening to Postal's podcast. We hope you gained new insights on managing life through knowledge about real estate, your personal safety, and living the outdoor lifestyle. Join us next time, so please like and subscribe to the Postals Podcast. Stay safe and power up.